Well, good evening. It's uh, great to be here with you all. Uh, so many new faces, uh, but I've also met new friends while we're here in Montana. And this is my first time to actually kind of hang out and see uh, y'all state and meet people. Uh, and it's uh, beautiful. And you folks here are genuine and uh, kind. It's been a wonderful experience. Uh, I'd like to sell my home, a couple of my kids, and move up here. <laughs> Is that wrong? I don't know. I... <laughs> we, uh... Uh, let me just give a little disclaimer uh, uh, before I speak. Uh, the way you hear me sound is not my fault. I was born like this. I'm from Louisiana, and I'm one of those Cajuns. Have you all heard of Cajuns? If you watch reality TV, you know of us. That's how we plan to take over the country. We're not oppressed anymore in the swamps. We've extended our reach into the media world. If you think about, uh, they got the swamp people, and then uh, Duck Dynasty. Yeah, anybody? Uh, no, as I try to speak, you know, it was a while back where um, a young gal came up to me afterwards. She said, you talk just like a swamp person. And I was like, thank you. And then I was in another uh, church, different part of the country, and someone else came up to me afterwards again, said the exact same thing. Wow, you're really talking like a swamp person. I was like, your mama? Uh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> You know, Christian and all that. So I was like, wow. Uh, I said, okay, I just got to ask you, why are you telling me that? Because I've heard that twice here recently. And um, he goes, well, you know, swamp people on the reality TV show. And I was like, wow, you're just lying. Who's going to do a reality show about swamp people? I know my people. And uh, he said, no, it's really a big hit. So he convinced me enough to where when I went back to the hotel room, uh, that night, I actually was looking for it, because at home, we don't have the big fancy cable, so at the hotel room, I'm, and sure enough, I found it, Swamp People, and it must have been like a marathon, because I watched it for like six hours, <laughs> and there's one part where they're shooting an alligator, and he said, hey, Junior, shoot him in the head, I was like, oh my gosh, that, that, I do sound like them. <laughs> And then I had the privilege of dressing a convention of some pretty well-educated people. And I, I said to myself, back in the green room, I was like, now, Victor, come on, enunciate your words, man. Let them know eighth grade wasn't the best six years of your life. And, and I just like, I was trying to, I said, oh, I, uh, these, are, these are scholarly people. And I, uh, right before I went out, my cell phone actually dinged. I had a text and I, I quickly looked at it. It was one of my brothers from down south. I opened it up. It's actually a picture of him, live picture. And he had like this cut-off T-shirt and these cut-off Daisy Duke shorts or something. And, and he's squatting down with a knife in front of four alligators. And he just said, yep, I got them all with my knife. I looked at that and went, I am a swamp person. <laughs> so I've embraced it. Uh, it's who I is. Um, Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you for this evening. I thank you for each person who's come out tonight. Lord, 
Uh, not quite sure what they'd hear, uh, but I, God, I pray you'd surprise them. I pray you'd speak to their hearts, some encouraged. They just need encouragement where they are as a believer. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen marriages. I pray that young people hearing this would realize they're not too young to follow you, Lord, to live for you, to, to really uh, give you their life in every way. And Lord, I want to pray especially for those who didn't want to come here tonight. I know there's a few who really did not want to do this. Um, I pray most of all you surprise them with the truth of how much you love them and care for them. And uh, your will be done, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, tonight I'd like to uh, use the text to uh, uh, first, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 to share a little bit about my testimony and then a little bit about what, uh, what we do uh, in the ministry that I have. First Timothy, wait, where am I? There's a scripture in the Bible in Timothy, it's one of them, but it talks about uh, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Does anybody know where that is? Is it Second Timothy? One, seven? So let's say that together. T- Second Timothy? Is it First Timothy or Second? Hang on, let me find it. Second Timothy 1, yeah, there it is, 1, 7. So, Second uh, Timothy 1, 7, one of those Bible writers says this, for the Spirit of God, or God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Um, I'm not going to super break down or exegete this passage tonight because uh, your pastor is one of the best Bible teachers I've heard in a long time. You guys are y'all getting it right from the gold mine right into your heart. Uh, and believe me, count yourself blessed. There are many places I speak where I go, ooh, ugh. Lord, I pray for the sheep, man, that they, they have good radio stations. So, you know, uh, <laughs> but y'all got a good one. And uh, I, know, I know many of you like Spurgeon and John MacArthur and, and uh, Piper and all these guys. I cut my teeth on them as a young Christian, listening to teaching tape after teaching tape after teaching tape, back when there were cassettes. And that was, uh, that was my indoctrination to solid Bible teaching and understanding I'm thankful because a good foundation will get you a long way in life when other things get crazy, Yeah. Uh, so 2 Timothy 1, 7, was that, was that the verse? Okay, what is it? I don't know, sometimes I like to kind of labor on it a little bit, because when people go home, they might forget what scripture that was. Am I being honest, or is it just me? It's like, yeah, yeah, what's the second? Yeah, because the word of God is really the most important thing we can have in our life in that greatest time of need. When this world that morally is so backwards and spiritual insanity is rampant, we need to have the solid foundation of the infallible truth of God's word, right? And that's, that's what I go to when things are bad. 
I've understood um, and needed to know this scripture, that God's not given us a spirit of fear, power, love, and sound mind, not only because of what he's called me to do in ministry, but actually uh, the background that I came from. Now, the ministry that God's put us over is called All Things Possible, ATP Ministries. Uh, it is not something I asked for or I necessarily wanted to do. It's something that he called me to do, right? And we've been, we've been attending to this about 13 years. Uh, by profession, I was a martial arts instructor. Um, but I'm sure you can tell just looking at me. Uh, <laughs> I actually have three different black belts, a seventh degree in karate and jiu-jitsu and mental weapons. Uh, I've trained over 30 world champions, worked with all kind of great, uh, some of the best warriors in our country, from uh, uh, Army Rangers to SF to SEAL Team guys, all the way to intelligence, community individuals, going project-specific. So I've, I've been very uh, humbled to be able to do that. And I also served time in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, that's why I talk like this. I talk like a walking, living drill instructor. Good morning. Read the scripture. Um, but before I do anything else, because uh, y'all want to see any like little moves or something like that? Are y'all, I, I've, I've been traveling around and everybody's, everybody's like, when are you going to do something? It's Montana, man. Talk all you want. You talk about the high karate stuff. So I'll, I'll demonstrate one little thing for y'all, but I need a volunteer. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I work with teenagers, so I, any teenagers want to help me? Uh, all right, come on, man. I see your hand. Come on up. All right. Let's give him a hand. So... Uh, <laughs> Son, you're a lot smaller sitting down. I'll just tell you right now. I think that might have been a bad pick. Hey, uh, nice to meet you. I'm Josh. Josh, no, you're a Christian? I well, okay. <laughs> Let's just say be led by the Spirit, not the flesh. Um, so we don't have a, have a lane on a hands ministry. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, I speak to a lot of kids, troubled youth all over the country and actually overseas. I visit a lot of juvenile facilities. And actually, uh, my highlight, I think, of this year, I actually was able to be the first American ever walk into an Iraqi juvenile facility and be able to share my testimony. And that was pretty fun for me. And, uh, but a lot of times, kids, you know, you won't try to get their attention. So, you know, we well, show them something and they're all happy about it. So I'm going to reach here in my bag and pull out a training. Well, it's a pistol, but it's not loaded. You okay with that? All right, um, I'm going to try to do some. Why don't you come over here on this side, just in case I have to knock you back. Just joking, just joking. All right, here we go. Here it is right here. All right, now, it is no way loaded at all. Can you see that? All right, okay, good. Empty, empty. All right, so what we're going to do, we'll play a little game, all right? Uh, I'm going to let you hold this weapon like you were mugging me, Okay. I want you to put up to my head like a gang member, just like that. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> Welcome to Bozeman. Okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Do you see what gaming's done to our youth? Okay. 
So you hold it to my head. It's a simple game. Now, uh, uh, you, you say bang or pull the trigger before I can do my little hot karate move to you, okay? And get you. You just... Just say bang. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got to stretch out for a minute because I'm mean, not young like it was. Okay. That's it. I'll say, when you see me move, you say bang. Okay. Bang. Okay. That one will work. All right. Let me, let me, let me try a fancy kick. When you see me go kick you, you say bang. Okay, do you own one of these? Because you're pretty good. Uh, all right. <laughs> when, when, yeah, when you see me move, then you say bang. Bang. We're going to take up an offering. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I thought you'd come back for seconds. <laughs> well, I currently hold the world record for the fastest Gunder song, which you just saw. And standard, we have a person pull a hammer back. There's a magazine in. And they point it, and they attempt to pull the trigger. And what I do is I take the gun, but I normally strip the magazine out and point it back at them, and the hammer's still back. Uh, it's a, it's a, it gets people's attention. I'll just say that much. Um, uh, so how I got into reaching troubled youth, um, the, obviously for teaching martial arts for a number of years, but I was, a number of years ago, I was asked to come on staff with a little ministry with a guy barely known. His name was James Dobson, Dr. Dobson, and my little fledgling, okay. So I had the privilege to go on staff and actually be his assistant, which I didn't understand. I thought actually a security member would be a better fit. But uh, I was able to represent the ministry and Dr. Dobson and really learn a lot about ministry. And let me just say this about him. Who you hear on the radio and what you read, that is him. That is him. And uh, it was an honor to work with him. Actually, my wife and I just recently did a broadcast uh, on his program for the work we're doing and, and what God's done in my life. So... Uh, but at, at near the end of my tenure with them, someone asked me to go and speak to a group of juvenile offenders in a maximum security prison. And um, because I never actually really told all of my story until much later in life. I'd rather just kind of not talk about it and just move on. Can anybody understand that? And, uh, and then the Lord really... He said, you know, I've invested a lot in you by pulling you out of the miry clay, setting your feet on solid rock, and not only saving you, but keeping you. And it's for a much greater purpose than you can imagine. And I went, well, and so this guy said, just come on, talk to these kids. I said, well, what are they in there for? He said, well, everything uh, from little crimes, all felons, but all the way up to murder. I was like, ah. And I prayed, and I felt like the Lord said, go. So I said, all right, here we go. And I went there, and I was nervous. How many of you understand that? Yes, I think there was 75 kids there, all felons, and they're sitting down through these events. They're looking at me like this. You better bring it, man. And that was just actually the girls. So I was thinking to myself, 
I'm going, hey, this is really a, this is a tough crowd. And, and uh, the guy goes, well, do your martial arts stuff. Do something. It'll get their attention. And I said, well, okay. And uh, I had my pair of nunchucks, two sticks connected by rope. So I had a guy hold two pencils in his fingers and one in his mouth. And I was twirling them, and I went to knock them out of his hands, which went okay. Uh, but then when I went to knock the pencil out of his mouth, not so much. I overshot it and actually split his chin open. That's not an exaggeration. He was split open. Uh, it was a good cut. I'm not going to brag on myself. It was pretty surgical. Uh, but he did bleed a lot. Now, uh, I felt really bad about it because I'd never actually hit someone with my nunchucks in the, unintentionally. And I was like, uh, wow, this is really bad. And, um, and, I, and my instant thought was, Lord, why do you have me here? This is a bad idea. Look what's turned out. But yet God, he always redeems even our goose ups, doesn't he? When we have a heart for him, go, Lord, I don't know. Here's my two loaves and fish. He says, okay. There's a little bit mold on them, but I'll take care of that. Right? And uh, that crowd of kids who's sitting there all hard, they went from this to this. They're like, this man is crazy. He crazy. But I'm going to listen. Uh, it actually gave me a surge of courage. I was walking around in the nunchucks like, yeah, you're going to hear the word of God today. Say right now. Somebody's getting saved. And, uh, and I actually shared. It was really, I was really the, uh, one of the biggest groups early on that I shared. I was actually in my late 30s when I did this. And... Um, it was amazing what God did, because uh, I shared with them my story, how my father didn't claim me as his son uh, when my mom got pregnant, how a lot of bad things happened to me as a kid, and my mom would marry, you know, six times. Uh, I'd go to 14 different schools, 17 different houses, and a lot of bad things happened to me as a kid, uh, how God can take injustices and bad choices done by people and, and he can redeem them even for his glory. And when I shared that, I was actually shocked at the response because people ask, well, what's your secret to your strength or your... And I just tell them, uh, the Lord. I don't, I mean, I know self-discipline. I was a master of martial arts at age 26. I get it. I'm an A-driven high drive, except the way I talk. That stayed like a D-level or something. <laughs> but my mind thinks real fast. It just gets slow when it comes out. I don't know why. Just, anyway. Rent cycle. So, um, <laughs> 56 kids responded to Christ by standing and wanted to make him their Lord that day. It so blew me away. I told them to sit down. I didn't think it could be true. I said, wait, wait. I think you misunderstood me. Uh, You're going to repent for what you know is wrong. You're going to surrender your life to Christ. You're looking to the cross as your only hope for forgiveness of sin because that's it. Jesus Christ will be your righteousness. But you don't get out of jail today. I mean, let's just make that clear. You still got to do your time. If you got all that straight, including you you won't affiliate with your gang, you're going to seek to do what's right. And turn from what's wrong. 
then if you really believe that, then stand up. And again, those same number of kids who six stood up. And I was like, whoa. And I actually went over to the ward and I said, I, I don't, I'm not used to, I don't. And he was actually crying. He said, Victor, and Mr. Marks, he goes, I, I've been praying that someone will be able to come in and reach these kids. He said, I myself am a Christian. He said, you're that answer to prayer. I said, ah. Oh. And it was after that that I started going, wow, and started learning about how many kids were incarcerated, how many juvenile facilities there were. Um, it's an epidemic in our country. There's over 200,000 kids that are being incarcerated tonight. Over 1,500 juvenile facilities. And, um, and then I was like, Lord, you got to do something about that. He said, I will. I have a plan. Are you in? Oh, me? Well, no. I, there's some other people that really can. Uh, but I found out God, he'll just choose those who are available and willing. Not necessarily you have to have all the answers and be all of that. Just are you willing? Are you willing to obey and trust him? He'll do the rest, and he has. So now people do ask me, how do you know for sure that that was God's call in your life so late in life? I said, well, I'll tell you one thing that really seemed to be his ring being put in the wax of his seal in my life regarding that. Three months earlier before going to this juvenile facility, me and my wife were out on a date because it's date night. Right? Ladies, don't y'all like date night wives? Is that right? You should still date your wives, guys. Oh, a few of you like this. Funny man. Let's go hunting. I'll show you. Let's take your grizzly hunting. I thought that's illegal. No, just keep going. Funny man. No, I was out on date night with my wife, and we were actually coming home. And uh, we're leaving the mall area, and uh, we had a light, and a car pulls up next to us. It's, uh, some gangbangers were there, we, and, uh, and they were. And the music's were loud, and it's boom, boom, boom. And it's kind of, we just kind of look forward, like, oh, just don't look over there, baby. Let's just, we're invisible. <laughs> and uh, I felt like I heard this inner voice speak to my heart and say, tell them about me. I was like, ooh, I rebuke that voice right now. <laughs> Devil, get out my car. And I know it's the Holy Spirit, and he's so patient. He's like, Victor, come on. Tell him about me. I was like, oh, I'm on a date. I don't want to. There's a lot of them. And I said, oh, okay. I said, honey, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell him about him. And my wife is a godly woman. And uh and at the time, we were actually pregnant for our fourth baby uh, a lot. <laughs> we, we, she had the full bubble belly. And, uh, and when I said that, she goes, she looked at them, she looked at me, and she goes, okay. She rolled down the window, and then she hit that seat. Mm. <laughs> She's like, go at it, son. I bumped the horn. I said, hey, hey, hey. And I had to keep bombing because the music was so loud. Finally got to him. He goes, I said, uh, awkward moment. Yeah. I said, uh, pull over. I want to talk to y'all. 
whatever. He turns the music on. I was like, Lord, your servant was willing. <laughs> now bless me. Uh, you know, again, I feel that nudge on the Holy Spirit. You know, you can do better than that. I was like, oh. I look in the back seat, and actually, uh, it was bad because the guy had a big knife out, a balasong knife. Like, oh, bomb, bomb. And I, I guess I can be naughty and get attention. So the guy looked at me and said, what? And I said, um, pull over, man. I want to talk to y'all. He goes, I ain't pulling over. <laughs> I went, what, are you afraid of an old man? <laughs> what do you think they did? <laughs> Here we are in a minivan. <laughs> I was trying to act cool. Like, you know, we got tent. It's factory, but come on. We pull over. I get out. They pile out. My wife's praying, Lord, help my husband. I don't know if his medicine's in the therapeutic range. Help that man. And, uh, and all of a sudden, they're coming at me, but, you know, they're, they're walking like this. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, now what? <laughs> I don't know what to say. I pulled them over, and I really didn't know what to say. It was, it was just like, and, uh, and then I just remembered that guy had a, because sometimes you can say, Lord, help me. And he's quiet. And you're like, isn't this where something supernatural is supposed to happen? Quiet. And he's saying, just, just keep walking on the water. I'm right there. Don't worry. So first thing that came to my mind was that kid in the back seat with the big balisong knife. I said, I stopped them because they were actually getting close. And, you know, when they're walking like this, I said, hey, stop. And they all stopped. I thought, uh, hey, you. I saw you had a knife in the back seat. He goes, were you a cop? <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I was a cross guard walk guy in third grade. I had a vest and a whistle. I wonder how much I can lie, and it ain't a lie. And I was like, no, I ain't a cop. I said, uh, but I'm a martial arts master. And I actually just want to show you how to open and close that. And they looked at me. I think they were more surprised if I was a cop. And he goes, I said, go get the knife. He's like, really? I said, yeah. So he goes, all right. I'm thinking, okay, so good. So he went, gets his knife. He pulls it out. He brings it up to me. He hands it to me. I take it and I do a demonstration. I twirl it and, I'm, and throw it up. And then I stab him in his neck. And uh, no, I didn't do that. that you, don't, you don't do that evangelizing. Come on. That, that's a joke. It's real bad. I'm like, Jesus loves you. No, I didn't. And I closed it, and they were like, dude, that's pretty cool. I said, thanks. I said, uh, you know, right now the current national champion is one of my black belts, and he's not much older than y'all. I said, but let me tell you why I really pulled you over, to tell you about the master I serve. His name is Jesus Christ. And those guys actually allowed me to present the gospel to them underneath this big old light in a parking lot. And then at the end, I said, uh, uh, can I pray for y'all? You know, they were, they were like, yes, sir. <laughs> and I prayed for them right there. And that's a good thing. And then right when you think, oh, let's just put a bow on it, go home, and yay, Lord, a guy comes walking up off the street who sees us, and he starts screaming at me and cussing at me, and then he charges me like he's going to hit me. They actually grabbed him, and they were holding him. They were straining him. He was just, I mean, he kept cussing, just yeah, cussing at the Bible, and the, it was bizarre. And they were telling man, hey, hold on. Hold still, man. This guy's all right. This guy's all right. I was like, yeah, listen to them. This guy's all right. <laughs> and I'll never forget, he goes, 
don't you tell me God is love and all that. He said, because God love, he, he will never let what happened to me happen. He wouldn't have made that stuff happen to me as a kid in my life. And I, I said, believe me, I feel you more than you know. I said, but I will tell you this, the way you feel because of injustice in your life, it doesn't change the truth of God's word. He loves you. And he wants to live his life in and through you and forgive you and give you purpose. And he didn't want to hear it. And um, we were done that night. And it was kind of, you know, it was awkward and uncomfortable. And we drove home so close to that moment of victory of, well, we prayed for people. But no, I left with that kid in my mind. And when he came, he actually had big hair. It was, he was, it was waving in the wind. So I was like, whoa. And uh, now, now let me just tell you how I, I really knew God called us. This ministry. Three months later, in that juvenile facility I told you about, where I was swinging the nunchucks and, and ah, right, and I was telling the kids, guess who got arrested and was in that facility? The kid with big hair. And guess who raised his hand to give his life to Christ? That kid. And you know what? It was amazing because we hand out Bibles afterwards, and sometimes they don't want you to sign or write a scripture. And I came up to him, and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, you sign my Bible? I said, yeah, man. I said, uh, hey, you remember me? He looked at me and goes, yeah. <laughs> I said, I remember you. <laughs> Look, he's in jail. Nah. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> That's not, not a way to start to stop on a young man. Um, I said, hey, I do have to ask you a question. Why today? Why today are you giving your life to Christ? He looked up at me, and although he was just 16 years old, he looked at me like a man. And he said, you told me that Christ wanted to live his life in and through me. He said, I'm tired of living my life for myself. I thought, wow. That's when we knew. We've been doing this, and now we're in over 800 juvenile facilities around the country, either by me speaking, book, or film. We, we've had to duplicate our efforts by uh, multiplying me for, you know, just uh, more reach. And that's why we have a book out in the film. Uh, we call him a force multiplier. And um, God's been very good. It is a very tough ministry. It's very hard. And one of the things we do with our book or film, we let these kids know, you write us. If you read this book, first, if you read a book, <laughs> write us. It's, it, they say it's the number one read book in all the facilities because the way it's written <coughs> at my age level and, uh, and how it reaches them. But we always give them an opportunity to write us. And you know what? I tell the kids, if you write us, we'll write you back. And I'm stoked to say that after all this time, um, we are close to, or over now, probably 6,000 letters that kids have written us by hand. And we write all of them back by hand. They're worth it, aren't they? Now, let me, let me tell you what motivates me to do this. And, and you know my background and whatnot. Um, to be rejected by your father causes a pretty deep-seated wound. And then to suffer abuse and injustices, it will, it, it'll make a person's worldview very skewed. And, and trauma affects people, you know. Um, uh, but I thank God that he's made us to heal. And sometimes it, 
It takes good, what I call soul surgeons, to, to help people heal from, from trauma. It's like a medical doctor. There are some gifted psychologists out there and psychiatrists. And uh, I myself prefer a biblically-based approach, using the Scripture and the Word of God uh, to help the mind. And uh, for me, because of the abuse that I suffered, whether... Uh, being electrocuted as a kid or dunked in a tub until I passed out or being left for dead in a commercial cooler which my family had found me because it was out at a farm but I was unconscious by the time they got to me Um, and it was a child molester who had put me in there when I was able to become conscious and tell them what happened they tracked him down uh, and then they beat him in, in his own home and then they hung him behind my memo's house and um, from a pecan tree. And they cut him down before he died. Um, but that, that is the background that I come from. Um, my mind started not working right. Um, I didn't trust adults. I had deep-seated anger. And guess what? I had a right to be angry. That's what I don't get a lot of times when people are talking to youth or people are troubled or even adults. You know, stop being angry. Stop being angry. Why don't you ask, why are you angry? What, what, what are you angry? What are you hurting about? Get to the root of it. Because <laughs> if you're just trying to control the behavior, that's like, that's like molding water. <laughs> Not going to work too good. Get to the root of it. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, man, what are you so angry about? You know, I don't know. You know how many kids have asked that? What what you saying about? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, it, you know. And then a kid tells me, I remember one kid told me he had Lucky tattooed on his neck. I said, what you lucky about? I don't, I got, I'm good. I'm a good man. And uh, I said, wow. I said, but you're in here because you're angry. <laughs> I don't know. They say I ain't right. I ain't angry. I said, but tell me about your dad. I don't know. He's put me on a bed, duct tape me. He's the first one that gave me injection heroin. He killed my mama and then shot him. No, he killed my mama. That one was he killed her. And now he's being electrocuted, incarcerated. He said, in less than 10 days, uh, my dad will be put to death. And then me and my sister, we're going to be orphans. I said, that doesn't make you mad. I don't know. I said, make me real mad. I'm glad I was able to pray with him. Let him know there's a heavenly father that I never forsake him, never do him wrong. I also have the privilege to <laughs> help people understand that when bad things happen, you know, especially the kids that are injustice, it doesn't mean that God is causing that. There's a difference between causing and allowing. And it's one thing that helps me start to unravel the craziness of my life. Because I blame God a lot of times. Or if you're so loving and Jesus loves all the little children otherwise uh, and the Lord said I learned that there's choices that people make that are evil oftentimes driven by evil and and it breaks his heart and it makes God mad look at the Old Testament and just so y'all know and I'm so glad that pastor spoke and taught this morning, we saw about Jesus clean out the temple. 
You know, God didn't give like a makeover when he went to the New Testament. He didn't become God of Claus or something like that, Santa God. He actually is the same God there. Do y'all know that? I mean, we understand the covenant deal, but he still gets angry at injustice. But the great thing is God can redeem the worst. Even when you don't think he can, he can if you don't give up. And, and if you put your life and you trust him. And some of us just need to get a little bit of help to help unwind some things. Me, I had 123 visits to a trauma specialist in nine months. I've been on Depakote, Depakine, Prozac, Zoloft, Lithium, Abuse Bar. To have a psychiatrist tell you, uh, son, your brain will never work because of the trauma you've experienced. A doctor tell me that. And never be fully functional. <coughs> I'm glad I embraced sarcasm. <laughs> I looked down and said, my brain never worked anyway. <coughs> Keep paying your student loan. <laughs> so here's some of the miracles that God's done in my life some of the bad stuff but um, uh, you know God saved me and it was actually uh, through of all people me getting a letter while I was in the United States Marine Corps from my biological dad the one that didn't claim me he actually became a drug dealer and a pimp. And he was a practicing warlock as well, if you want to throw that in there. He wrote me a letter and he said, Dear son, and that made me mad. And I said, no, don't call me son. I'm my mama's son. I ain't your son. You never been there for me? All the stuff I went through, if you would have been a dad, you would have. And I'm going to tell you, uh, our country is so messed up because of dads not doing their job, not stepping into the role and the privilege they have to be a father. That is an absolute privilege. Our country would look completely different if that was changed. But here he is trying to embrace me as a dad, and he said, I know you think I'm crazy, and I know a thing about crazy. Actually, my... Uh, grandfather, um, his dad, my granddad I never met, died in a mental hospital. And my, my dad actually went to the same mental hospital. <laughs> I just thought we had time sharing it or something. I thought, okay, <laughs> when do I go? Um, my grandfather on my mom's side called his common law wife cheating on him, so he shot her in the head in public at a racetrack and then killed himself. And that's my background. And then, I mean, I remember in high school finding out that my next stepfather, who I stood up against, you know, he took me to the back door, opening up. He said, get my face again. He said, man, I'll beat you like a man. And I said, I don't, I know my mind. I can't win, but I'm going to get a piece of And uh, he saw I had a crazy look, so he put out a briefcase, opened it up, showed me newspaper clippings that showed me he had killed a man and spent time in Chino prison. I was like, hey, mom, you, uh, you know, you're married to murder? He's like, of course I know. It's like, uh, when were you going to tell us? Sit said, uh, when you needed to know, apparently you do. So I, mean, I stood up to him, I was like, 
Kill that man. Spend time in prison. I don't go more alone, Daddy. I just, I was like, ah, when's it going, craziness going to end? But he wrote me in that letter. He said, I know you think I'm crazy, but this time I'm crazy for Jesus Christ. He says, I've surrendered my life to Christ. And it was real. And I went and visited him. I took leave of absence from the Marine Corps. I sat in a pew just like this on a Sunday night. And I heard a simple message that Jesus loved me. He died on the cross for me. He could, my sins could actually be wiped away. And I was thinking, now that sounds amazing. Because I still would like a new start. But the most amazing thing I heard was that, and God, was that God loved me. God loved me. Not for what I could do. Not who I was. He loved me. I couldn't earn it. And the cross proved it that he loved me. So what else was I going to do with that? I may be kind of slow, but I know a good deal when I see one. I said, my final answer, I'll take you, Jesus. And the greatest thing is he took me, washed me up and cleaned me, put a spirit in me. And it wasn't a pretty conversion, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I ran forward and I actually came down and, and I was weeping. And, okay, I was crying. But they were manly tears. Don't worry. They knocked their way out of my ducks and fought their way down. and hit the ground and dissipated after doing 10 push-ups. They were manly tears. Because <laughs> I'm a Marine. And, uh, but I'll tell you what. It was funny because my dad came down to the front. He was sitting there. I stayed up there a long time letting God in his arms. And a very nice usher. I don't know who he is to this day. I'm sure I'll meet him in heaven. He came and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, can I pray for you? And when he did that, I don't know. I just, I'm very reactive, triggered. And I turned around, grabbed him, pulled him up and said, touch me again. I'll break your jaw. Touch me again. And I was shaking. And he was like. <laughs> and my dad, my dad goes, uh, I know the boy. He'll hit you. <laughs> just, so he's like, oh, no, it's not. I know he had to be like, uh, I think he's demon possessed up there. I gave my life to Christ June 22nd, 1986. I've never been the same. There's been some very hard parts, but at least I'm winning and on the winning side. The hardest thing I've ever done, and this is probably one of the last things I'll say tonight, is uh, it's one thing to get saved. It's another one to be a disciple of Christ. And I think that's where a lot of people miss it. They just want that fire insurance instead of walking with the Lord God Almighty and letting him allow you to be involved and experience what he's purposed you for, for your life. Instead of you out there listening to cultural things of how you have to act, and oh my gosh, we live in a pretty dark world. So I don't want to be a little light of mine. I want to be a flame torch. That's how I was in the world. Well, I just do it for the Lord, right? When I go to heaven, there'll be no more fuel, I guarantee you. I'm out. But he gives that to us, and I'm excited. But the hardest thing he ever asked me to do, and it's the last thing I'm going to talk to you about, is to forgive. To forgive. And forgive means give up your right to hurt someone back for hurting you. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. Sometimes, but before you reconcile, you have to learn how to 
And that person has to gain your trust. Is that right? Does that, does that make sense? Uh, instead of that, just forgive me. Just forgive me. I, I tried ministry early on in my young adult life. I didn't make it. I really wanted to be a pastor. And uh, they actually gave me an office. And I and, uh, had public commentary and MacArthur study. And I, I just wasn't really good at it. And uh, some are better at shepherds. Some are good at being sheepdogs. And... Uh, you know, I'm more like, rah, 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 rah. and uh, there was a guy that had uh, consistently cheated on his wife and, um, and used me to help get him back with her. And um, the third time he did it, he came into the church and he saw me and he went another way. Uh, but I followed him because <laughs> I actually just got a call from his wife who said, he's done it again. He's high on crystal meth, um, but this time when he left the house, he hit our little toddler daughter, knocked her against the wall. So I found him. He looked at me, using like a deer, caught in the headlights. I said, hey, look like you need counseling. He's like, yeah, yeah. I said, come on to office. This time when he came to my office, I didn't put him in my, uh, the, the, the little council each chair. I put them in my chair behind my desk without an exit. And then I shut the door and we sat down. I said, tell me what's going on. He got emotional. Oh my gosh, man, my life is so messed up. I just, uh, and then he got to that point of, you think you'd call my wife, kind of help us get back together again? I said, well, it depends. I said, uh, I've actually talked to her. And he's like, you did? I said, yeah. She said somebody, you hit your daughter. Boom. Knocked her against the wall when you run out the house. And he knew he was caught. And he goes, yeah, I can't believe I did. Oh, my gosh. And he started crying. Oh, I, can't, I just, oh. And he's being all emotional. And he, he said, I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I should get beat up. <laughs> I said, we can do that. So I did. I went over at him and went for him because... I was a young Christian and just right out the Marine Corps, and it just common sense, kind of good theology, <laughs> theology for me. Uh, so as I'm commencing to lay hands on him, and all this screaming, he's crying, all that type of stuff, the door, boom, bust open, and it's our, you know, our pastor, our head administrative pastor, and he goes, uh, Victor, Victor. And uh, he kind of knew who he was dealing with. So I love what I said. And it was funny. I, I really had this thought. I really had this thought like, I'm in a counseling session. <laughs> Do people just bust in on you? It's kind of rude. <laughs> and he goes, uh, uh, Victor, come here just for a minute. I was like, all right, you can stay there. <laughs> I walked out pretty, pretty <laughs> not getting it. And he goes, uh, and he knew he's not getting it. He goes, um, hey, Victor, when, when people come in to get counsel, no matter what they've done, we, we don't beat them. <laughs> of which I retorted, no, I know that. I mean, it's okay because he actually said it's okay. And so I'm just, it's a new form of counseling. He goes, why don't you go on over there with the rest of the pastors who are completely into this uh, as you're fulfilling their fantasy. But uh, 
I'll take care of this. I want to be a pastor. When the Lord asked me to forgive those who had abused me, it was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. The first thing God asked me to do when I was traveling through a city I was raised in speaking, he said, go to the house where all the bad things had happened. And bad things had happened. And the last thing I want to do is go to that house. I said, Lord, not this. He said, go, trust me. And I did. I walked up to the door, and I didn't know who was there because my stepfather who had done the abuse would actually have been incarcerated. He was caught, incarcerated, and then he escaped prison, a federal prison, and fled the country. He made the NBC News with Tom Brokaw for a manhunt. They never caught him. He eventually turned himself in years after being out of country, did his time, and then he was living on a little river. He was elderly at that point. But uh, I knocked on this door, and it was an older lady, sweet grandma, just silver hair. She said, how may I help you? I said, ma'am, um, I don't know how to say this, except I used to live here. She said, you did? I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, what's your daddy's name? And I told her. She said, I bought this home from him. And then she said this on her own, because I think she saw the blood was draining from my face. She said, bad things happened here, didn't it, son? I said, yes, ma'am. And it was over 35 years or whatever. uh, She bought it from him. And then here I am. She said, can I tell you something? I said, uh, yes, ma'am. She says, I knew you guys left the house in a hurry. We did. We had to flee through a window one night when he pulled his gun out, which is the reason I learned the gun to song technique because I never wanted anybody to put a gun on my head again. And she said, we gave away a lot of your, y'all's furniture and clothes to Salvation Army or whatever. She said, but I found some pictures of y'all. And she said, I found a picture of you kids. She said, I've prayed for y'all on these years. And I, I got very emotional because I said, your prayers kept me alive. And I said, guess what? I'm saved. And it was an, it was an amazing thing. See, when you pray, you don't even know what's happening. And some of you older saints, you feel like, well, I don't, I can't. Boy, don't ever minimize the privilege and the power of prayer. Because y'all probably get more things done. I mean, if God would pull back the veil, it's, it's, it's you grandmas and grandpas and great-grandpas, you know, loading up the mortar around. Poof. Boom, in the spiritual realm. Range me. Poof. And the devil's going, shut up. But then the next thing the Lord asked me to do was find the man that abused me and forgive him. And I did. I found him. He was reduced to nothing, living on a river in a trailer. And I was there in the hospital room because I had to bring him there eventually when the doctors told him he had two weeks left to live. And he didn't want to hear none about God, but I said, hey, you know, I'm trying to let you know. You know you're dying. I I just want you to know that because of the grace of God in my life, he's, he's allowing me to forgive you. And even read the scriptures to you. And he, he was, uh, you go ahead if you want more. And one night I woke up before I'd never see him anymore. And I can't explain this to you guys. I, I mean, I personally can't explain it. 
But I got out of bed, it was about four in the morning, I started, I started sobbing for this man's salvation. And I know that's not me. Because Victor Marks is not that good of a person. You know even how I counsel. God. <laughs> I walked in the hospital room the next day, and there he was, and getting a nurse, and this is where it just shocked me. He said, Hey nurse, is my son. He said, uh, um, I'm proud of him. Never heard them words in my life. He said he He's worried about my eternity, but he doesn't have to worry no more. He goes, I made it right with God last night. And he's telling her, not me. And it was so holy of a moment. She actually just kind of backed out of the room. You could feel the, the presence of the Lord there. And I said, well, God, now I understand why you brought me back to reach him. And he, he looked at me. I looked at him. I said, Lord, what do you want me to say? And he said, tell him you love him. I said, Dad, I love you. For the first time in my life, he looked at me and said, boy, I love you too. And then I took a pillow. <laughs> no, I, I, I did not. I did not do that. I did, you can't, that's not. I mean, he's dying anyway, but I, I'll let the Lord handle that. What is God asking you in your life to do where he says, I've not given you a spirit of fear when he calls you to witness or do something? But he's given you power, power to overcome the wicked one, power to overcome your own fleshly desires. And man, I'll just say this in the church and I'm going to pray. The worst thing in the church and in the man's side of humanity is, is, uh, is pornography that is destroying the church and taking the power away from men. You can have all the finest preaching in the world from this pulpit, but if you yourself are living contrary to the Word of God and stuck in bondage and your conscience is, is seared and you just, uh, you're not, how are you going to be able to, to live it out? Don't let that be what takes you down. My goodness, uh, smartphones, if that's the cause of it, get yourself a dumb phone. <laughs> the Bible says don't give room for the flesh. And love your wives. And wives, love your husbands. Love them, not because they deserve it, but because God wants it. And when I say love, I'm meaning Love. <laughs> it's a good thing. Children, obey your parents. Yeah, you. <laughs> you too. Uh, yeah, you. I've seen that action going on earlier. And kids, if there's one thing I'll tell y'all, obeying your parents got nothing to do with agreeing with them. It's not about agreeing. If that was the case... Would we ever obey with God? I've done a lot of things I don't agree with God. I'm like, okay, so I'm jumping out without a parachute. Okay. Angel, here I got you. 
Kids, obey your parents. They've walked through the minefield. They have the right and the responsibility to tell you how to do it too. And you can look at your parents and go, oh, I want to go to that party or I want to go out with that guy. Or, You're, uh. But just go, well, I don't agree with you. For the record, when we stand before God, I don't agree with you on that. And the parents will say, duly noted. I could be completely wrong. But God just calls you to obey and trust me. Trust me. Life will be better. Well, let me pray. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Forgive me for going long. Uh, But I thank you, God, that you want to speak to some hearts tonight. And if there's anybody here, God, I have to ask that maybe you're drawing to yourself. Maybe they don't really know you in a personal way. Maybe they're backslidden or prodigals or whatever, don't even know you. But tonight's the night that they're actually draw. They, they want to come back to you. They, they sense that you do love them and will forgive them. And um, God, if there's anybody here, I pray you touch them right now. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you touch them. Convict them. Show them how much you love them. Only the way you can. Is there anybody here that would fall into one of those categories where you'd say, hey, Victor, that's me. I need to get my life right with God tonight. Would you pray for me? Then I have the privilege to pray for you right now. If that's you, lift your hand real high up and then put it down so I can see who you are. Anyone here? God bless you. Who else? Anybody else tonight? Don't let pride stop you. Is God speaking to your heart? God bless you. Just put your hand up and say, God bless you and you. Who else? Hand up high. God bless you in the back. God bless you right there, young lady. God bless you, young man. Who else? This is a good moment. Respond. You can trust God because he loves you. That's a deal you should take. Is it your time to repent, to turn, to come back and surrender all? Who else? Put your hand up and down and I'll pray for you. God bless you, young man. Anyone else? The outcome is better than what you got already if you're in rebellion to God. Trust me. Anyone else before I pray? Hand up or down. God bless you right there. God bless you. Father, I thank you for each person. God bless you. God bless you and you. School bus about to close. Anyone else? I, God bless you. Okay, I see you. All right. God bless you and you. Wow. Okay. All right, Lord. You're doing the work, so this is pretty exciting. I'm going to pray. Is that you? You want to give your light right with God tonight? Hand up and down, and I'm going to pray. Last time, God bless you. Well, he loves you that much. He loves you so much, he'll wait on you. Father, for every person that has raised their hand tonight, um, I know you're smiling, and I know the angels are rejoicing, having a party, excited. I pray that you would cleanse each person by the power of your Holy Spirit. And hey, if you raise your hand, you can pray this prayer out loud in your heart or whatever. Just say, dear Jesus, please forgive me. I'm sorry for my wrong, which is sin. Thank you for dying on the cross. For me, I surrender all I am and all I hope to be to you. Cleanse me. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Let me live my life for you from this point on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.